Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about First Baptist Church of Silva, please visit firstbaptistsilva.com. We turn our attention this morning to the gospel according to Luke. Chapter 5, only two verses, verses 15 and 16. Let's listen attentively to God's word to us this morning. But now more than ever, the word about Jesus spread abroad. Many crowds would gather to hear him and to be cured of their diseases, but he would withdraw to deserted places to pray. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What a royal waste of time. Jesus had no time for this. I'm speaking, of course, about Jesus' responsibilities to uh, attend to his divine calling. Jesus doesn't have time to withdraw to deserted, quiet places to pray. Jesus was the anointed one, the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus had just begun his public ministry, and he knew well the kind of needs that existed in the world in which he found himself. Jesus had no time for this. As my daddy would have said, quit your loafing and get to work. And yet Jesus defies our expectations and withdraws to a deserted place to pray. Jesus chooses to practice solitude to strengthen his connection to God, his Father. And why? Because it's hard to pray in the world, which is why Jesus routinely escapes it. I mean, really. Can you pray effectively in the noise that you live in? Can you hear God's voice in your day-to-day life? I didn't think so. And you know the reason why. The world drowns out our prayers. The world drowns out God's voice. But no one has time for solitude, least of all Jesus. Just prior to this moment where Jesus withdraws to a deserted place to pray, he had been preaching. Jesus had been teaching. He'd been telling God's truth to the masses. You may not know this, but if you look back, you'll see that this was exceptionally stressful for him. He'd been chased out of town for what he had said, nearly thrown off of a cliff by those whom he had enraged. He'd been confronted by demon-possessed individuals. He'd healed those with all kinds of diseases. All the while, he had been trying to determine who his inner circle of followers would be. And talk about crowds of people. Pressed in, hemmed in on every side, exhausted by their demanding, unreasonable expectations. But now more than ever, the scripture tells us, the word about Jesus spread abroad. Many crowds would gather to hear him and to be cured of their diseases 
but Jesus would withdraw to deserted places and pray. And if you look closely, you'll find out that this was not the first time that Jesus did this. Just earlier in Luke's gospel, we learned that at daybreak, Jesus departed and went into a deserted place, and the crowds were looking for him. And when they reached him, they wanted to prevent him from leaving them. Take a moment and think about all that Jesus gave up to go and pray in solitude. Think about the productivity that he surrendered in doing so. Think about the people that did not get healed because Jesus had withdrawn. Think about all the moments of teaching that he surrendered, the moments of preaching and proclamation that he left on the shelves. Think about the moments of mentoring and discipleship that didn't happen because Jesus withdrew to a deserted place. Jesus believed that withdrawing from the world to pray took precedence over his other responsibilities. Jesus teaches us that the way of peace is the way of solitude. And that's a problem because most of us despise the prospect of solitude. (laughs) To many of us, being alone and quiet feels like punishment. We prefer engagement of one kind or another. We desire entertainment, distraction, a soundtrack of other voices. God forbid that we are quiet. Lean in. Lean in and I'll tell you a secret. We're terrified of silence. We're terrified of silence because of what we might actually hear. Noted author Anne Morrow Lindbergh puts it this way. She says, We seem so frightened today of being alone that we never let it happen. Even if family, friends, and movies should fail, there's still the radio to fill up the void. Now, instead of planting our solitude with our dream blossoms, we choke the space with continuous music, Chatter and companionship to which we do not even listen. It's simply there to fill the vacuum. When the noise stops, there's no inner music to take its place. No people. What we've been experiencing these months of the pandemic is not Christ-like solitude. Isolation is not a Christ-like virtue. Jesus seeks solitude so that he can pray. Jesus retreats in order that he may re-engage. Jesus knew full well that the world drowned out his prayers and sabotaged his ability to hear the voice of the Father. And if that's how much Jesus, a son of God, needed solitude to be in 
the presence of the Father, then what does that say about us and what we need? I know you're not at peace. I'm not at peace either. I'm rattled by our world, disturbed, addled, tethered to sources that will keep me from thinking about that which I need to be thinking of. I don't think any of us are our best selves right now. Jesus teaches us that the way of peace is through solitude, being alone so that we can be more present with God, being quiet so that we can hear God's voice, being still inside and out so that we can be aware of the Spirit's movement being attentive to our breathing so that we can inhale God. <laughs> I mean, you've tried everything else to find peace, right? Entertainment, progress at work, stimulation, medication. How has that worked out for you, huh? Perhaps we should try something different. Perhaps we should try something we've never tried before. Perhaps we should do something that Jesus did and did so frequently. What may come as a surprise to you is that solitude is an ancient and rich tradition of the church. John Ortberg rightly points out that every character of spiritual development in scripture is marked by solitude that is the the heroes of the faith all had an inner quiet jesus himself models this of course this kind of solitude he withdraws to be in the wilderness for 40 days and nights routinely jesus escaped the world withdrawing to a deserted place to pray in the midst of his most demanding vocation what you may not know is that after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, those who wish to be like Jesus, to be his followers, to be his disciples, they believe that they should take very seriously this call to withdrawal. You see, they became discontent with city life. They recognized that in the more urban settings that they couldn't hear God's voice. It was noisy. It was full of temptation. And distraction. So what they did was they removed themselves from that setting and went and lived in the wilderness. They become what we they became what we know today of as desert mothers and fathers. They were the, the great heroes of the faith that did something that to us just seems extraordinary, but for them was actually being very faithful. It was so popular, it was so rewarding that throughout the Roman Empire for centuries, this is what it looked like to be a preeminent follower of Jesus, to practice solitude, to live very simply, and to do so in the wilderness. It'll come as no surprise to you, of course, that 
when I found out that in the Celtic outskirts of the continent, on the other side of their world, they learned that this was the best way to be disciples and followers of Jesus. So what did they do? They tried to emulate what they did in the Middle East. They found places of great solitude, of wilderness, away from the cities and communities and even their families and friends. They found places and developed communities where they could live both in community and in isolation. They lived in cells, C-E-L-L-S. Cells, places of isolation. And the communities that developed were both away from civilization and yet also accessible. Think about that for a minute. Set apart, yet able to be found. For centuries, individuals were drawn to the practice of being in a place where they could best hear God's voice, where they could be still and they could be quiet, like Jesus had. Sounds like an alien concept to us, doesn't it? However, I've got to tell you, it's not a new story. But that doesn't matter much to us, does it? We abhor solitude and silence. The silence that accompanies solitude torments us with the hollow sound of our fears, our anxieties, our regrets, our bitterness. Scared of facing those things we want to drown out, we choose stimulation and, surprising no one, become overstimulated. No wonder we can't hear God's voice. We're listening to everything but God's voice. The great Christian thinker of the 20th century, Thomas Merton, he hears our suspicions about solitude, and he has this to say about it. I want you to listen particularly to the ending of this quote. It's the best part. He says, Not all men are called to be hermits, but all men need enough silence and solitude in their lives to enable the deep inner voice of their own true self to be heard at least occasionally. We need silence and solitude at least occasionally. Although we find this hard to believe, the practice of prayer in quiet solitude bears fruit. And as we'll see in the coming weeks, solitude bore fruit in Jesus' life and ministry. We're going to look at that. And you remember those desert mothers and fathers who left the cities to go and to practice in solitude the faith? We remember that they were good at practicing solitude. But you know what else they were good at? They were good at practicing friendship. How ironic is that? That those who wish to practice solitude and silence could become good at practicing friendship. And not just friendship, but soul friendship. Sound familiar? The Celts called that anamkara, which literally meant Sharing one's cell with another. Isn't that good? That those who knew how to practice solitude were actually 
really good at practicing soul friendship. Because they made space for God in the quiet, it created space for others. It's a true story. The way of peace is solitude. The way to hear God's music and his deep inner voice is through solitude. Experiencing God in a world gone mad is not impossible. People have been doing it a long, long time. For us to learn this ourselves, we've got to become aware that silence and solitude are not the enemy, but are rather faithful Christ-like practices. We've got to develop the courage to withdraw from our world so that we can hear God's voice. And we're going to learn more about that in the coming weeks. And a good starting place for us to feel God's presence this morning? Well, we may need to start by putting down our phones. <laughs> I know. The thought of that terrifies us, which is precisely why we may need to do it, at least occasionally. Let us pray. God, we're terrified of silence. <laughs> we're so terrified of silence that we fill it with everything we can. Forgive us, God, for being frightened of what we might find in the moments between the noises. In these next few moments of of reflection and response. Allow us to breathe deeply, exhaling ourselves and inhaling you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to sit in these moments of quiet. You may feel called to respond to God's word. And if so, I will be down front.